Hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff at the World Business Academy, and I am here with Ronaldo Brutico, the Academy's President and Founder. And then Benjamin Schwartz, our Assistant Producer, is also here at the controls. The World Business Academy is a nonprofit dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment that their work touches. We are recording this show on October 30th, 2019. And before we get going, I would like to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org. If you have any questions or comments about the show today, or if you have anything you would like for us to focus on in a future program, we would love to hear from you. As always, you can listen to us on the go using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Just search for the World Business Academy. And Ronaldo, so we've got a lot to cover in this 30 yeah, minutes. And, uh, tremendous let's... amount. <laughs> I, you know what I'm going to do with the statistics this week? Instead of talking about why these numbers are the way they are, I'm just going to read them yeah. and so that people can ask us questions about them later. But nothing's changed why these numbers are the way they are. You just need to know the numbers. I'm not, I'm not going to try to explain them a lot. There's some obvious things. So why is the Dow Jones a year back? Uh, if we look back a year, why is it up 9% finally? And the answer is... In an economy where the Fed keeps lowering the interest rates, they lowered it again yesterday to, to 1.5%. So lowering the interest rates by the Fed in an economy that is growing heartily, which we have been doing, is counterindicated. And so what these Dow numbers say is that the big boys on Wall Street are really happy that it's getting even easier to make money, even though it wasn't hard to begin with. So stocks are up artificially, 9%. My guess is if you look at that number um, nine months from today, it'll be flat to negative. S&P 500 up 13%. Makes a little more sense because it's a broad array of companies. But again, based in great part uh, for the uh, the way it's 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 targeting on these Fed rates, it's targeting on the ease ease of, of capital, the fact that we get all the money we want. Theoretically, the stock market would be soaring if the fundamentals were sound, and they're not. I mean, up nine percent is not soaring for a year. Thirteen percent is not soaring. Oil still down seventeen percent. I don't see that coming back to zero. The only thing that will bring it back is if Warren is successfully elected president. We'll talk about that in a minute. And she bans fracking, oil prices will go up temporarily and then come crashing down because... Well, the, when the carbon bubble bursts and, that's right. and we move off of the carbon economy. Yeah, so there'll be yeah. a temporary burst, but oil's in a long-term downtrend for sure. And gold continues to be up 22% over the year, which is dramatically outperforming oil. The S&P, it's double the... Well, not double, but substantially over the S&P, and it's two and a half times over the Dow. So gold continues to be your best way to stay in the markets if you want to keep your, 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 your liquidity. Now, let's just talk for a moment about Elizabeth Warren. And the reason... We weren't going to do this as recently as yesterday, but when I noticed that my copy of The Economist came in, and the cover of The Economist is Earl Warren's... Elizabeth Warren's plan to remake American capitalism... And on the same day, I get my copy of The Week, This Week, which I really enjoy for its... Uh, the Week is a great summary publication. And there's the cover with Elizabeth Warren on Can She Sell Medicare for All to America? So I decided to look at these two pieces, and I particularly focused on The Economist piece. And the reason is, The Economist, as you know, is a conservative publication. It's a classic Republican kind of publication. Uh, it's a very pro-business publication. It's not even... I would not even call it substantially moderate, but what I would call it is thoughtful. And, and, and so to the credit of The Economist, 
they gave a tremendous amount of credit to Elizabeth Warren's economic plans. And they, do they actually think that she's got some points? Oh, gosh, yes. That's something they're very common. Like, for example, uh, here's a quote. She is right to call for a vigorous antitrust policy. Warren's position, in fact, they said, people who try to labor a socialist don't understand. She's not a socialist. She just believes in well-regulated capital markets. Now, her idea of well-regulated is more than The Economist wants to see, for sure. But the principle of a regulated free capital market system is the hallmark of a good capitalist system. So they agree with her on that. They... Um, they also, you know, note that she's right, that we have a higher level of inequality on income in America. Um, she recognize, they recognize the business concentration. They say, you know, she's right. The concentration, for example, and I'm quoting, in two-thirds of an industrial industries, big firms have become bigger, allowing them to crank out abnormally high profits and share less of the pie with workers. That's, that's concentration. monopoly. <laughs> yeah, it's building monopolies, right? And... Um, the, the, the other things that they, they, they comment on is they, they thought her 15% Social Security levy on earning over 250000 was good. They, they don't like the wealth tax per se, but they see the creativity of it. Um, they definitely agree that there's her 7% increase in corporate tax may be a good idea. Uh, they, they prefer a carbon tax to her approach, which is interesting. Uh, you never thought I would see that. Um, and they, they quote, and while a carbon le levy is our preferred way to fight climate change, her plan for clean energy targets would make a big difference. So they're buying into her clean energy proposals. Uh, and uh, they go on to say that the, the central flaw that she has is that she underestimates what quality competitive capitalism can do. And I think that's true. I think Elizabeth Warren um, doesn't, I mean, if, 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 if organizations like the World Business Academy had her ear, and we don't, uh, I think she would see there's a way to integrate affirmative, progressive business practices with her overall economic objectives and her political objectives. But because she's looking at business somewhat monolithically, um, she is doubling down on what she believes is a good political hand, namely to be opposed to um, the largest corporations. Um, when uh, I think it was after one of the uh, one of the debates. And, one of the large business organizations tweeted out that, uh, you know, if, if Warren wins, it'll be like, uh, you know, we all better, we got to pull together to stop Warren. You know, Wall Street yeah. is like petrified. Wall Street is saying, and, you know, let's vote for Trump. Yeah, and I think she paraphrased uh, uh, Roosevelt, who, you know, FDR, when he ran for president, said, uh, all of big business is against me, and I relish their hatred. Words to that effect. Meaning... If, if taking the side of the little people gets me in trouble with big business, so be it. I like my enemies okay. that way. Yeah. But but I, what I want to comment on, and, and, I, and, and this is important for our listeners, I want to comment on, without going into too much in the weeds, although I would invite caller questions on this, I want to comment on what are the issues that are really on the table for this election? Here's what I mean by that. Even if Warren were to win and to take the Senate and the House, so all three branches of government, what she has outlined as her dream objectives mm -hmm. are far more comprehensive and far broader and far more ambitious than anything that could be elected in a four-year term. Right. She's got, what, maybe a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan? Yeah. But what's, what's a realistic yeah, time but so, frame? So what she's trying to do is fundamentally reset the economy. And she's right about that. And I think The Economist agrees. In fact, um, they, uh, they, they end their article with her, their editorial, and they say she needs to find more room for the innovative and dynamic private sector that has always been at the heart of the American prosperity. 
close quote. Well, that's what the economy Academy's been talking about all these years. So what I wanted to do today was just highlight for people what is on the table and what isn't. So what's on the table for Warren is a fundamental realignment of our capital and frankly, our political system. Probably needed, and I would guess that most people would say it does. It mm -hmm. needs that. Her goal is to start to close the wealth gap. For example, pushing hard for a five-year trajectory to a $15 million a $15 per hour minimum wage. Mm -hmm. So she's saying, let's raising do 15 the, hours the floor. and do it over five years and quit goofing around. Uh -huh. That will do more to engage in increase prosperity in the American economy than any single thing a politician could do. And remember we talked about this over a year ago. And I said, the raises in the minimum wage that was occurring in various states like California, cities like Seattle, and now states of Washington, and across the country, there were 19 or 20 jurisdictions that were raising the minimum wage. I said that lift in the minimum wage will do more to propel the economy over the long haul than the tax break for right. the rich. Right, which, which is what do, happened. Which is what happened. Yeah, it's what and, happened. And yeah, because yeah, the tax break went through like the elephant through the python. Right, it's over. And no, no companies are really investing in the future, no, so no. they're not seeing any of that kind of. And you know, Just Capital, investment. which was which was an Academy spinoff years ago, uh, Just Capital um, actually did an analysis, uh, which we released publicly saying where the tax money went. And as you would guess, it was very share unfavorable. Share buybacks. Yeah, it was basically share buybacks, uh, some dividends, a lot of executive compensation, and very little went to workers, and very little went to new capital plant equipment. So, um, so the concerns are real. Now, what do you want to watch for if you're a typical person going through the election season? Whether it's because you hear it from Elizabeth Warren, who's becoming the front runner, or whether you hear it from one of her competitors, like an an A.B. Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, who wants to be more the middle of the road, Biden, they want to inherit the Biden vote as Biden collapses, which, you know, Biden's not going to be the nominee, I don't mm -hmm. think. And so bo both Buttigieg and Klobuchar are trying, uh, no, not, uh, yeah, yeah Klobuchar, Klobuchar and Buttigieg are trying yeah. to be that centrist candidate as Biden continues to fall down. And uh, they will set up a, a conversation, which the essence of is what kind of a policy do we want for healthcare. Whether the issue is Medicare for all as currently proposed by Warren and as yet she hasn't told us how she wants to pay for the whole thing, although Paul Krugman had a funny comment on that the other day, but uh, although they haven't told us that, the interesting thing is that her approach is more radical than what I personally enjoy today. In other words, I'm on Medicare. Mm -hmm. It's great. As some of you know, I'm going through a lot of health challenges in my family and I'm I'm just delighted that Medicare covers so much. Mm -hmm. But I also have supplemental Part B insurance. There's also supplemental Part C insurance, which I don't have, but which you're allowed to get. I like the flexibility of being able to add Part B. Mm -hmm. So I take it. And, and I don't know that she needs to take that away from me. So I believe in health care for all as a basic human right. That's her basic position. I think the way I would get there is a little bit more like the centrist would do it. I would say, okay, expand Medicare for all to all, but not prohibit private insurance as a supplement. Okay. That would be good. Yeah. Now, I, I, I was telling you earlier that I, I saw a documentary last night, or clips of the documentary from the Be a Hero campaign mm -hmm. there in, 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 with Addie, Addie Barkin. Barkin in collaboration with the United uh, Nurses mm -hmm. Union. Yeah. Um, and what he's done is he's interviewed one-on-one, -on -one, he himself, he's dying of Lou Gehrig's disease, yeah. he's interviewing the, the major Democratic candidates on their positions on health care. And watching this man who's fighting for his life, talking to 
someone like Pete Buttigieg, who's trying to walk that middle road. The arguments against supporting anything but a universal health care plan just sort of fall down in terms of the, yeah, the, and see, the and moral think, on the moral on the moral grounds. See, and I think that <coughs> Buttigieg and Klobuchar would both come out in favor of universal health care. They're trying if to they were tr if they were honest to their hearts, and that's what's so hard to watch the the slippery politician talk. Yeah, yeah, that's the politics of it. I, yeah. I one of the things I like about Warren is that she puts it out exactly as she believes it, even if she's wrong. So right or wrong, she's not going to hedge it. Right. And and the economists, you know, congratulated her for that and, also. And I mean, so I mean, that would be a fundamental re rejiggering of the economy in terms of healthcare because it is all profit based. There yeah. is such a profit. Say, okay, motive. let's talk about that for a second. So, what the real fight is about? I think Buttigieg, uh, Klobuchar, Warren, Sanders, all of Biden—they all have the same basic belief that healthcare should be available to all. Mm -hmm. How do you get there? Well, in the in the in the Sanders and Warren approach. You get there by creating a, a national insurance program, like most industrial countries have. Canada, England, England, all New of them. Zealand. They yeah. all have it. And, and 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 if that was the thing we should have done originally, I probably could have gone for it. If that was the first thing we did, mm -hmm. but we're not there now. We, we passed that point. The, 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 the water's gone past that part of the river, and where we are now is a, a hybrid system, which we want to unwind the unfairness from. So there's no reason for 30 million people to not have insurance, to not, be, to not have healthcare coverage. So what we have to do is we have to say, okay, how do we get from where we are to where we want to be, which is universal coverage one way or the other. Warren and Sanders say that you can't pay for it if you're going to let the insurance companies soak up tens of, well, tens of billions of dollars in premium, but many billions of dollars of profit. Mm -hmm. Because those billions of dollars of profit, which are unnecessary, could go straight into healthcare. And you will also will not be able to negotiate as well in a healthcare system that if continues you don't have to be the whole hybrid. Block. Yeah. Right. Now the moderates say, yeah, that's a price you have to pay. It's inefficient, and it will probably take years to phase out of the current dominance that we have by insurance companies. Uh, and if you look, by the way, at the at the statistics of who lobbies the most in America on the Congress, it's fascinating who you see up there at the top of the list. I was I was really really surprised. For example. Um, uh, the uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quickly. Uh, I can't. Uh, the the but the uh, the list of the most heavily invested lobbying industries. Pharma came in third. Hospitals came in on top of them. Okay. Um, so so it's still healthcare, but it's, it's still healthcare. It's a different arm of it than you would have and thought. It's, and you put them together, they're the biggest. Mm -hmm. Those two, and they're lobbying to keep the system in place. Mm -hmm. Because big pharma gets forty percent or more on its drugs than it should get, it's been able to keep that from being negotiated. The hospitals are scared to death of a system that begins to put complete, consolidated, and uniform controls. As you know, you can go into a hospital one part of town, and a procedure can cost you a thousand dollars, and same procedure ten miles away 10, can cost 000. you ten thousand. Yeah. So there's all these different disequalities, and so what Warren and Signers are saying is, get that, ring that money out of the system; it'll pay for the new system. And you get 30 million new people covered. Buttigieg and Klobuchar are saying, it's too hard to make that jump. Start with get the 30 million insured. Figure out how we're going to pay for that, either with a wealth tax, uh, the 7% corporate tax. There's a whole bunch of ways we could pay for that gap closing. And then let's see what happens when we competitively uh, negotiate for drugs which will reduce the power of big pharma immediately and the profitability and take those billions and billions of excess profits out of the system and put it back into healthcare, which is great. So you, you can do all of these things and you could, you could actually, you could do a special 
uh, kind of a bonus tax on big pharma. You could say, you know, whenever you make more than X percent, it goes back to the healthcare care system. So the, the idea is watch as a voter to see which of the plans are you most enamored with and trust that the meeting of where it's, what's really going to probably happen is not the Warren Sanders approach and not the old Obamacare with a couple of band-aids with 30 million people uninsured. It's going to be someplace in the middle of, of those two mm -hmm. positions because of the cost factor. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that you've got these massive lobbying firms involved. So in order to do that, I think they're going to have this compromise, which was a good place to come up. And I want to be appreciative of Warren and Sanders staking out the intransigent position of we must insure everybody because that's clearly the right decision and the least expensive one. People keep forgetting what they pay in premiums, what they pay in co-pays, what they pay in the at the emergency room. Well, and what what society ends up paying for exactly. the the people who are not insured. I mean, we are all paying for it, whether it's lost work, whether it's oh, it's cash. It's cash. We're, we're you subsidizing know, I mean, it. We're subsidizing this entire yeah. system, whether we know it or not. So there was an editorial that came out. I'm forgetting now where it came. Maybe the Times, or I'm not sure now, but in which they said, "Gee, the next time around, uh, it wouldn't it be great if instead of putting all their chips, the Democrats, on whoever gets elected, if it's a Democrat, on the uh, healthcare system, why don't they go after climate change, which is going to have a bigger adverse impact? And I think that's a great comment. The problem is the thing that's doing the most damage right today to Americans healthcare. is healthcare. Look, everybody has a healthcare story. Everybody knows yeah. somebody who's been, yeah. you know, dealing with medical costs, dealing yeah. with insurance companies, yeah. and it's a, and in health, and Climate change, while mm -hmm. we are having fires going on right now, mm -hmm. and there, we are feeling the impacts more and more, it's less immediate to most people. Yeah. And, and so back to this Warren's template to look at the economy. So the things that you don't have to worry about the positions on, we're going to have a $15. If a Democrat gets late, it's going to be $15 minimum wage. And a five-year trajectory is plenty of safe time to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, so don't worry about that conversation, folks, because that's going to happen. And it doesn't matter who gets elected. Don't worry about whether there's going to be some form of increased taxation of corporations is going to happen, whether it's 7% or not. Are you sure it doesn't matter who gets elected? No, in terms of the Democrats. If, the, if it's a, Dem if it's whatever a Democrat. Democrat whatever gets Democrat elected. gets elected, you're going to have a $15 minimum wage. And it's the best thing that can happen to the rest of us because all that spending, every penny, when you raise the minimum wage, goes right back into yeah, the that's, economy. That's why consumer spending isn't, is, up. Is, is up and yeah. company spending is down, right. but consumer spending is still because That's of the, what's because keeping of what our economy right away now. from a recession. Yeah, we wouldn't be at the 1.9% growth, which is still pretty bad. Uh, we wouldn't be there if we hadn't raised minimum wages mm -hmm. in 19 jurisdictions. We would be right down negative. Mm -hmm. And we're going to head towards negative even still because even that's not enough to hold up the degree of insanity that we've injected in this economy. But let me just hit a couple other touchstones on the economy. So another position that you want to look at is um, the trade-off between higher taxes for the wealthy, which almost everybody agrees is going to have to happen mm -hmm. because they got too greedy and they took way too much off the table. So is it, are the net effect of taxes on the wealthy going to go up by a 1% wealth tax and that's all? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be worse than that. I think that you're going to see a couple of ways. That it, the average tax on the up 2% is going to go up, including uh, you just close some of the loopholes for equity players, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and get rid of some of these capital gains exemptions. You go from 28 to 37%, boom, like that. Um, it's been argued there should be a 7% increase in corporate tax because look what they took off the table when they did this last tax mm -hmm. bill. So there's going to be these changes. And it's and, and I don't think people should focus on, is it 7% against corporations? Well, 
it's interesting to guys like me, it's fascinating. But to the average voter, it's like, just accept, we need to increase taxes on corporations. We need to increase taxes on the top 2%. Everybody knows that. That's not a secret. And don't get lost in the, in the, in the various plans because that'll get worked out in the normal political process when people agree on the big objectives. And we'll find our way to the implementation. It won't look like Warren's plan in mm -hmm. all these different areas. And by the way, they gave her incredible kudos for the depth of her analysis. The economist really complimented her highly. She's a that. smart person. And she does her homework. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is, try to focus on the issues that are most important to you. Support those issues to your friends and neighbors. And don't worry about the fine points, the details, unless you want to you know, send us a note about it, in which case I'd be happy to discuss it. But I'm really, really fascinated that both the economist came up with this and the, and, 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 and the week, in the same exact week. And last but not least, they correctly report that Wall Street is petrified of Warren. And I'd like to just share, because I know I've got a lot of friends in Wall Street who do not agree with me on this. I would like to share that that fear uh, is completely misplaced. Because mm -hmm. what, and, and the, even the, the, what they titled it here in the economics, a plan for American capitalism, that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. you know, like they, they, she's not a socialist. She believes in a well-regulated capital market system because if it's not regulated, it's not even playing field. But why is Wall Street so terrified of her? Then? What is, oh, what are because, they, what's the boogeyman oh, that they're the afraid of? The boogeyman is more taxes. Most of Wall Street's in the 2%, <laughs> if not all of it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a belief that if she were to swing at... Uh, the business community with the full might and power of all of her suggestions at once, it could be a crippling transition. I don't think even a democratically controlled Senate and House would give her all these things at one time. I think people are going to be more incremental than that. I'll give an example. They're afraid that she'll collapse corporations if they're forced to comply with fair lending practices. I don't think the collapse. They're, they're afraid that, for example, uh, if you bring back the Dodd-Frank, um, not about the, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the Glass-Steagall, Glass yeah. reintroduce Glass-Steagall, mm -hmm. that somehow that will crater, will crater the investment houses. It'll force them to do the right legitimate thing finally, mm -hmm. which is keep investments, which are guaranteed by the government, out of your gambling pocket, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. And it's not something like revolutionary. It, it's a policy that's about 60, 70 years old. So, I mean, it's like... Reinstate it. It's reinstated, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but the idea is, their fear is that if everything she wants to do happened in one day, oh my God, it'd be revolutionary. That's true. But if they don't start doing some of these things, and then I'm now quoting uh, Michael Bloomberg, the famous billionaire, I'm quoting Ray Dalio, I'm quoting, quoting uh, Paul Tudor Jones, they have to reform capitalism. There's no option. Well, the alternative is real revolution. I bullets. mean, there's bullets. bullets. It's bullets. It's, uh, and so this is a good way to start that conversation. The czar must die. <laughs> yeah. You know, even the idea of having a lobbying tax, I think most people agree with that. Now, do you think it ought to go as high as 75%? I don't know, but it's a good idea to talk about it, right? A lobbying tax. Um, and uh, paid family leave. You know, don't focus on whether it's two weeks, two months, or six months. That's irrelevant. Let's just get something out there. Let's have the conversation. Let's have the conversation. Paid family leave is a conversation we need to have. Um, the another gig economies will be required to recognize workers as workers. I think that business actually likes that one because it makes it an even playing field for them. If you're running a taxi company who has employees, you would like to have gig workers have that requirement, mm -hmm. yeah. even if you're running any other kind of business that has employees. So the gig economy has some benefits, and one can make a strong argument that below a certain level, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, maybe yeah. it would because, be. Because having that supplemental income for some people is phenomenal. Is phenomenal. On the other hand, why, do some, why, why aren't we paying people enough so they don't need to have three jobs? Yeah, and I think the... Um, 
you know, getting rid of, she wants to get rid of forced arbitration clauses in securities agreements. That's a great idea. Uh, she wants to have the, 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 the fiduciary duty test for anybody who sells you securities. They've got to do what's in your best interest with your money. What a, what a revolutionary concept. Yeah, I think that's... So focus on those substantive things and don't let the fear overwhelm you because the fear is a false expectation appearing real, meaning fear is not real till you give it life. I don't think she's going to crater the U.S. I think she's going to remake the U.S. system mm -hmm. because all the things she's talking about, we need to talk about. Now, whether she gets elected or not, I think those conversations are worth having. And that's why I'm, I'm very pleased that the economist has decided it's a conversation worth having mm -hmm. and did a pretty good job. They, they do go on to say, and I'll close on this note with this subject, um, that they're a little concerned about her protectionist attitude, which I think is a realistic concern. In other words, she says, one of her position papers, which I think is good, says anything the government pays R&D for, if you want to use that R&D, you have to make the product in America. That's a way for them to get manufacturing back in mm -hmm. the country. I think that's a good idea. I think there's a question in my mind whether she is overtly too protectionist mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. However, let me give you an example. Under the current administration, they're going unbelievably bonkers right now when they realized that the most comp complex computer chips we require for the F-35, whatever the most, whatever that jet whatever is, the, jet. the biggest Were one. Were they made there. in China? Taiwan. Taiwan, yeah. China. <laughs> no surprise, you know no. what I mean? And they started looking around at all the places where silicon chips are made. We don't make them anymore. Yeah. And we need them to run I the mean, country. I mean, we have a globalized supply chain, and yeah. you can't just unwind that. You can't. And, and I don't think you should, because I think countries with lower costs of labor should do more labor-intensive things, and we should do things that provide higher wages. And, and and that means basically knowledge-intensive manufacturing mm -hmm. as opposed to just, you know, buckets and bolts and widgets. Well, and the innovation, I mean, a lot of these things were invented here and then they were perfected in the United States and then brought overseas. Yeah. And then I can't stop without making the one final point that she does about, I guess, uh, Facebook and breaking up the, the, the titans of Silicon mm -hmm. Valley. And I think that's just smart on a lot of levels. And I think most people agree with that. Now, how you break them up, what you break them up into a great long conversation. Elizabeth might have the right idea. She yeah. might not, but I don't think we have time today to We're go up. into that. We're up. That was a fun, quick riff on Elizabeth Warren's yeah. uh, template I mean, as we, a way to look at the issues, not to say, mm -hmm. gee, I 100% agree or disagree with her. It's like, this is an issue. This is an issue. This is an issue. How protectionist do we want to be is an issue. How, 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 how much do we want to control foreign currency of our, of our currency? Mm -hmm. It's an issue. Yeah. Okay, let's go to something on real so quick. So we, we only have about five minutes in today's. Yeah. We had talked about just mentioning Trudeau's win in Canada. Yeah, I want to talk about that because Trudeau, I'm happy he won. Fortunately, the conservatives ran a very weak candidate or we wouldn't have. But as a result, he doesn't have a majority. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be required to do a left-center uh, coalition. And the left-of-center coalition will now start to put some restraints on 